Welcome to the 3ABN Australia radio book reading program. The Desire of Ages, written by Ellen White, is an inspirational account of the life and ministry of Jesus. What you are about to hear is a dramatized audio version of this book, created by Nancy Hamilton Myers. To download your free copy, visit thedesireofagesproject.com. Listen now as Nancy continues to read from The Desire of Ages. The Desire of Ages, Chapter 20 Except ye see signs and wonders The Galileans who returned from the Passover brought back the report of the wonderful works of Jesus. The judgment passed upon his acts by the dignitaries at Jerusalem opened his way in Galilee. Many of the people lamented the abuse of the temple and the greed and arrogance of the priests. They hoped that this man, who had put the rulers to flight, might be the looked-for deliverer. Now tidings had come that seemed to confirm their brightest anticipations. It was reported that the prophet had declared himself to be the Messiah. But the people of Nazareth did not believe on him. For this reason, Jesus did not visit Nazareth on his way to Cana. The Savior declared to his disciples that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Men estimate character by that which they themselves are capable of appreciating. The narrow and worldly-minded judged of Christ by his humble birth, his lowly garb, and daily toil. They could not appreciate the purity of that spirit upon which was no stain of sin. The news of Christ's return to Cana soon spread throughout Galilee, bringing hope to the suffering and distressed. In Capernaum, the tidings attracted the attention of a Jewish nobleman who was an officer in the king's service. A son of the officer was suffering from what seemed to be an incurable disease, Physicians had given him up to die, but when the father heard of Jesus, he determined to seek help from him. The child was very low, and, it was feared, might not live till his return, yet the nobleman felt that he must present the case in person. He hoped that a father's prayers might awaken the sympathy of the great physician. On reaching Cana, he found a throng surrounding Jesus, With an anxious heart, he pressed through to the Saviour's presence. His faith faltered when he saw only a plainly dressed man, dusty and worn with travel. He doubted that this person could do what he had come to ask of him. Yet he secured an interview with Jesus, told his errand, and besought the Saviour to accompany him to his home. But already his sorrow was known to Jesus. Before the officer had left his home, the Saviour had beheld his affliction. But he knew also that the Father had, in his own mind, made conditions concerning his belief in Jesus. Unless his petition should be granted, he would not receive him as the Messiah. While the officer waited in an agony of suspense, Jesus said, "'Except ye see signs and wonders,' Ye will not believe. Notwithstanding all the evidence that Jesus was the Christ, the petitioner had determined to make his belief in him conditional on the granting of his own request. 
The Savior contrasted this questioning unbelief with the simple faith of the Samaritans, who asked for no miracle or sign. His word, the ever-present evidence of his divinity, had a convincing power that reached their hearts. Christ was pained that his own people to whom the sacred oracles had been committed should fail to hear the voice of God speaking to them in his Son. Yet the nobleman had a degree of faith. He had come to ask what seemed to him the most precious of all blessings. Jesus had a greater gift to bestow. He desired not only to heal the child, but to make the officer and his household sharers in the blessings of salvation and to kindle a light in Capernaum which was so soon to be the field of his own labors. But the nobleman must realize his need before he would desire the grace of Christ. The courtier represented many of his nation. They were interested in Jesus from selfish motives. They hoped to receive some special benefit through his power and they staked their faith on the granting of this temporal favor, but they were ignorant as to their spiritual disease and saw not their need of divine grace. Like a flash of light, the Savior's words to the nobleman laid bare his heart. He saw that his motives in seeking Jesus were selfish. His vasculating faith appeared to him in its true character. In deep distress, he realized that his doubt might cost the life of his son. He knew that he was in the presence of one who could read the thoughts and to whom all things were possible. In an agony of supplication, he cried, Sir, come down ere my child die. His faith took hold upon Christ, as did Jacob when wrestling with the angel. He cried, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Like Jacob, he prevailed. The Savior cannot withdraw from the soul that clings to him, pleading its great need. Go thy way, he said, thy son liveth. The nobleman left the Savior's presence with a peace and joy he had never known before. Not only did he believe that his son would be restored, but with strong confidence he trusted in Christ as the Redeemer. At the same hour, the watchers beside the dying child in the home at Capernaum beheld a sudden and mysterious change. The shadow of death was lifted from the sufferer's face. The flush of fever gave place to the soft glow of returning health. The dim eyes brightened with intelligence and strength returned to the feeble, emaciated frame. No signs of his malady lingered upon the child. His burning flesh had become soft and moist, and he sank into a quiet sleep. The fever had left him in the very heat of the day. The family were amazed, and great was the rejoicing. Cana was not so far from Capernaum, but that the officer might have reached the house on the evening after his interview with Jesus but he did not hasten on the homeward journey. It was not until the next morning that he reached Capernaum. What a homecoming was that! When he went to find Jesus, his heart was heavy with sorrow. The sunshine seemed cruel to him. The songs of the birds are mockery. How different his feelings now! All nature wears a new aspect. He sees with new eyes. 
As he journeys in the quiet of the early morning, all nature seems to be praising God with him. While he is still some distance from his own dwelling, servants come out to meet him, anxious to relieve the suspense they are sure he must feel. He shows no surprise at the news that they bring, but with a depth of interest they cannot know, he asks at what hour the child began to mend. They answer, Yesterday, at the seventh hour the fever left him. At the very moment when the father's faith grasped the assurance, Thy son liveth, divine love touched the dying child. The father hurries on to greet his son. He clasps him to his heart as one restored from the dead and thanks God again and again for this wonderful restoration. The nobleman longed to know more of Christ. As he afterward heard his teaching, he and all his household became disciples. Their affliction was sanctified to the conversion of the entire family. Tidings of the miracle spread, and in Capernaum, where so many of his mighty works were performed, the way was prepared for Christ's personal ministry. He who blessed the nobleman at Capernaum is just as desirous of blessing us. But like the afflicted father, we are often led to seek Jesus by the desire for some earthly good, and upon the granting of our request, we rest our confidence in his love. The Savior longs to give us a greater blessing than we ask, and he delays the answer to our request that he may show us the evil of our own hearts and our deep need of his grace. He desires us to renounce the selfishness that leads us to seek him. Confessing our helplessness and bitter need, we are to trust ourselves wholly to his love. The nobleman wanted to see the fulfillment of his prayer before he should believe, but he had to accept the word of Jesus that his request was heard and the blessing granted. This lesson we also have to learn, not because we see or feel that God hears us, are we to believe. We are to trust in his promises. When we come to him in faith, every petition enters the heart of God. When we have asked for his blessing, we should believe that we receive it and thank him that we have received it. Then we are to go about our duties, assured that the blessing will be realized when we need it most. When we have learned to do this, we shall know that our prayers are answered. God will do for us exceeding abundantly according to the riches of his glory and the working of his mighty power. Join us next time as Nancy Hamilton Myers continues her dramatized audiobook, The Desire of Ages, written by Ellen G. White. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.